Thank you and welcome. I'm Jim Swan with Linda Smith, the CEO and President of BBB Western Ontario. And Ask BBB is a program that gives consumers information from businesses they can trust. Later in the program, we're going to be joined by Ashley Castleman, who is Communications Manager at BBB Serving Western Ontario, and she's going to be talking about business scams, what to watch out for, and how to avoid falling for them. And here we are. Labor Day is behind us now. The kids are back in school, and before we know it, the furnace will kick in as we welcome another heating season. And we're joined on Ask BBB by Jamie Donaldson, who is the owner of Donaldson Heating and Air Conditioning, to guide us through some of the things that we should be doing so that that furnace does come on when it's time to call for the heat. Welcome to the Ask BBB, Jamie. Glad to be here. So, Jamie, is there anything we should check or do before flipping that switch from cool to heat on the thermostat? There's always a couple of things you want to check out before flipping over to heating season. Uh, One of the important ones actually has nothing to do with the heating season, but it's uh, to do with your carbon monoxide detectors and your smoke detectors in your house. Uh, Anytime you switch from heating to cooling or cooling to heating is a good time to make sure the batteries are good in them and that they're uh, up to date as far as uh, best before dates, which you can find on the back. Uh, With regards to thermostat, normally we recommend once a year changing the batteries in them. Uh, Even the ones that are wired in for power a lot of times have a battery backup. So there'll be two AA batteries or three AAA batteries just to make Mm -hmm. sure they're in good shape. Uh, Change the filter on the system, make sure it's new, ready to go for the heating season. And then when you do switch it over, you want to do it nice and early. Uh, This time of year is a good time of year. Uh, Before the cold hits, that way if there are any problems, you're going to find out about it before there's a rush and it's difficult to get somebody out. Well, we did get some cooler weather earlier this week and and I made the switch and the furnace did uh, come on. But we're likely to have some more warm days, Jamie, before we actually get into the the full heating system Um, and we're going to shut down the air conditioner. Are there some steps we should take there? Uh, do we need to cover? What What are some of the things to make sure that air conditioner is going to make it through the winter? So the biggest thing with the AC is uh, take a hose and wash it down. The The coil on the outside you want to make sure is clean before you shut it down for the end of the year. Any debris that you leave on it's going to have a chance to break down, become a little acidic and, and wear away at the air conditioner. So by making sure it's clean before you shut it down is definitely going to extend the life of it. Uh, putting a cover on an air conditioner, there are mixed opinions on it. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes putting them on, it definitely is going to help protect the equipment from snow and ice buildup, putting scratches and, and marks into it, which means the casing isn't going to corrode as well. Um, that being said, a cover also holds moisture against the unit. So you want to make sure you get a cover that fits properly, that allows airflow through, lets the cover dry out whenever there is a warmer day. So we're not holding water against something causing the corrosion. Okay, so we are switching to the heat side of the system. Should we be doing any checks before we start the furnace? Like I said, the biggest thing is to make sure that the the filters change out. A lot of the stuff internally to a furnace really is something you have to have a professional come out and take a look at. But as a homeowner standpoint, uh, by making sure the filter's clean, uh, you're going to ensure you have proper airflow through the system. Uh, you want to make sure that your heating ducts, for the most part, are open. You don't want to close more than, say, 15 20% in a house. If you do, it's going to restrict too much airflow across the furnace and cause problems, shorten the life. Uh, turn it on, make sure it's cycling properly, make sure you've got airflow going up to the rooms. Um, make sure that the vent on the outside is free and clear of any obstruction. A lot of times over summer, we'll get plants or bushes that will grow up and cover the intake pipe for the higher efficiency furnaces. 
And when it blocks, it's going to prevent the pressure switch from uh, turning on, prevent the furnace from running. That's something you want to keep in mind through the winter, too, to make sure those pipes are there. Yeah, um, as it snows, we'll get a, a pal up in front of them, and a lot of times it will plug them, and that'll stop, shut the furnace down. So anytime there's a snowfall, you want to make sure it's clear. Now, you mentioned professional check, and probably some of us have had phone calls from companies that want to come in and, and uh, uh, do an inspection. Uh, how necessary is that? What should we expect that check to do? And how do we make sure that it's a contractor that uh, is not just going to be there to try to sell us something? So when it comes to choosing a contractor, um, best thing I can recommend is check sites like the Better Business Bureau where uh, there's some verification of who the contractor is, that they are licensed, that there is insurance on it. Um, they're also going to have reviews. So if there is any concerns with the contractor, you can see how they respond to them, how they interact with clientele, and how they how they deal with the customer in general. So it's a good place to start. Uh, you want to make sure your contractor is licensed to do the work that they're doing, to make sure that they're insured, um, both as an individual and as a company. As far as what we do when it comes to checking a furnace, a lot of it is making sure that the heat exchanger is solid. Uh, the older furnaces were built with pretty heavy plate steel heat exchangers, and they'd last forever. Uh, the newer stuff is paper thin. Uh, it transfers heat a whole lot better, so it's a lot more efficient, but they, they break down quicker. Uh, so we check the heat exchanger, make sure they're good, make sure that the drain lines haven't plugged up over the summer, that's going to allow the water to dissipate. Um, make sure that the gas pressures are good. We want to make sure the efficiency is as high as it can be, and make sure all the safeties are working. The last thing you want is a furnace where the safety isn't working properly and it may not shut down when it needs to. So, Jamie, there's been a lot of changes in heating systems over the last few years. What are some of the different types of systems that are out there? So a lot of uh, the systems with furnaces have come along on efficiencies. Uh, like I was saying, the heat exchangers have become a lot thinner. The reason for that is to generate the heat and transfer the heat a lot better. Uh, it now condensates, so we have to deal with the water coming out of uh, the process of burning gas. Most of it is driven towards energy efficiency and comfort. Uh, newer systems and higher-end systems are going to be more comfortable and more energy efficient. Uh, there are a lot of things uh, like the motor, as an example, where we operate a motor at 20% of the cost of what they used to 20 years ago. So as it's come along, they've, they've become a lot easier and a lot cheaper to operate. You're listening to Ask BBB, and our guest is Jamie Donaldson, who is the owner of Donaldson Heating and Air Conditioning. Uh, we're just at the very beginning of the season, and we'll be back with more information from Jamie right after these messages. Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan with Linda Smith, the CEO and President of BBB Western Ontario, and our guest is Jamie Donaldson, who is owner of Donaldson Heating and Air Conditioning. So, Jamie, before the break, we were talking about some of the different types of systems that are out there. Um, are there more uh, systems that we should be considering if we're looking to make a change in our heating systems? Yeah, so outside of natural gas, there are several different ways of heating your home. Uh, propane, oil, electric, uh, ground source heat pumps, air-to-air uh, -air heat pumps. Everything's a little different in how it acts uh, with how it heats your house and how it interacts with the environment around it and how efficient it is as far as the operational costs go. Uh, best thing I can advise is every one of them has a different uh, cost involved with running it. Some of them, the costs are very high up front. Some of them are very low up front, but the cost to operate over time is very high. 
spending some time looking into the best options for them and, and future projections on fuel costs are a good recommendation in order to go forward. Uh, electric, as an example, 20 years ago was very, very cheap. People didn't worry about it. By today's standards, electric is at a very expensive heat. Uh, so going forward, people are looking for options to get away from it. So that would be something that a contractor like yourself would help in consultation in choosing the right system? Yeah, we quite often go in and and talk to people about uh, options that are available to them. Uh, In town, most cases, natural gas is the most Mm -hmm. common way to go. Uh, But when you get out of town, there's a lot of options that people can take advantage of. Uh, Some are going to be cheaper for them in the long run, a little more cost up front. Uh, Humidifiers, uh, are they're... Are they built into today's furnaces or is it something you should add on or do we even need one? So humidifiers aren't built in with furnaces. They're typically an add-on unit. Uh, The best uh, thing with humidifiers or or what humidifiers do is it helps to increase or decrease how much uh, sweat evaporates off of our skin, which is how we stay comfortable. Mm -hmm. It's how we moderate our temperature. If a house is humid, then the sweat doesn't evaporate as quickly, which means we stay warmer. We don't lose heat as quickly. During a heating cycle, when you have humidity going into the house, bringing the humidity level up, it's going to keep you more comfortable without the temperature having to be as high, which means you don't spend as much to keep the temperature up. So when we get into winter and we have white stuff piling up, is there danger with the intake and exhaust pipes of high-efficiency furnaces getting blocked? Yes, you always have to make sure that they're kept clear. Uh, Biggest concern, a lot of people remember to take a look at it after a snowfall. Uh, But you also want to take a look at it, um, your neighbor goes out and they uh, clear off their lane and toss some of the snow into your yard. You also got to be careful with something like that. You may have checked it and it's clear, having any snow, neighbor gets home. You want to make sure you check it before you you do anything else. What are the dangers if uh, it is is blocked up? Uh, It's going to shut the furnace down. So there's a safety in place that's going to prevent the furnace from running. Uh, biggest concern with that is if you're out of town for a couple of days and we get a big snowfall and it, it does pile up, you're not going to be back in time for the temperature to, to be, remain high enough to keep the house safe. Okay. Now, you mentioned different systems. Um, heat recovery system, we've heard something of that in, in the 70s when we first started on the conservation. There was a, a whole push for heat recovery systems and air exchangers. Um, how do they work and, and are they used a lot now? Yeah, so as houses uh, have become a lot tighter in the builds, we seal them up now with vapor barrier and tighter windows, tighter doors, tighter seals. Uh, we don't get the air exchange we used to get on older homes. Because of that, the air inside of a house can get almost too humid. So an air exchanger, what it's devi- designed to do, or an HRV, is to remove the air that's in the house, replace it with the air that's outside. No matter how humid the air outside is, when we warm it up, it becomes dry air. Uh, Warm air can hold more moisture, so as a percentage, it's a lot less. We're exchanging that air across. Uh, The advantage of using an HRV is that it recovers some of the heat that you've paid to put into the air that's in the house before it puts it outside. So it uses the air going out to heat the air coming in, compensates for some of that cost. Can that be retrofitted? Yeah, absolutely. It can be added onto any system. Hmm. Is it very expensive? They can be, uh, depending on the unit, uh, you would do on a budget somewhere around two to $3,000 to do it. So when should we look at replacing the HVAC system with a newer system? And if so, what are the choices we'll be faced with? Uh, there's uh, several concerns that you want to make sure with uh, changing out a system. The big one is the contractor that you're going with. Uh, you can review equipment online. Uh, 
but a lot of the issues with equipment, a lot of it comes down to a contractor and how something is installed. Only about 20% of the problems that you'll get on equipment will be due to the actual equipment itself. 80% of what happens is going to happen because of how it was installed. Something wasn't the right size, um, too restrictive of drain line. There's a lot of things that can go on that can cause short-term failure on a furnace or an air conditioner. So you want to make sure you educate yourself on the contractor first and foremost. Make sure you're getting somebody that's reputable. Secondly, I always recommend get three quotes. Uh, that way you get an opportunity to talk to three different people. You're going to get three different outlooks and approaches to how things are done. What I necessarily think is the right way of doing it may not be what somebody else thinks is right, and you want to make sure you're comfortable with who you're dealing with. Uh, equipment brand is important. There is a difference in the range of quality of equipment, and typically it does reflect in the price, not all the time. But normally if you're paying a little more, you're going to get a higher quality product that's going to last longer. So once again, you start with BBB. Uh, you did mention carbon monoxide a little earlier. Uh, it's now mandatory that we have carbon monoxide alarms in the home. Uh, what are the sources of carbon monoxide and, and what can we do, do to prevent ever hearing that alarm go off? So carbon monoxide is a byproduct of any improper combustion. Uh, so anything that burns at the end of the day will create carbon monoxide, whether that is a furnace that's burning natural gas, a fireplace that burns wood, a stove that burns natural gas or propane, uh, even candles if they're not working properly or can let off a certain amount of CO. The biggest thing with seal detectors is to make sure that they're current, make sure that uh, the best before date on the back is older than where it currently is, and get something with a digital outlet or digital display on it. Uh, the digital display allows you to see lower numbers, so even though it may not be setting the alarm off, you're still going to see it uh, on the display and let you know something's going on. Well, we hope we all have a safe and warm winter. Uh, Jamie, we thank you very much for being part of Ask BBB today. Happy to be here. You're listening to Ask BBB, and our guest has been Jamie Donaldson, the owner of Donaldson Heating and Air Conditioning. And when we return, we'll be joined by Ashley Castleman to talk about business scams. And welcome again to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Linda Smith. Linda is the CEO and the president of BBB, serving Western Ontario. And we are now joined by Ashley Castleman, communications manager at BBB, serving Western Ontario. Welcome to Ask BBB, Ashley. Thank you. You know, we've talked about business scams in the past. Uh, what is one of the newer cons that businesses should be watching out for? One of the newer scams that both consumers and businesses fall for is what's called a delivery scam. Uh, this is where your phone will ring and it's a delivery company saying that you have a package on the way. Uh, then a short while later, your doorbell will ring. Uh, sure enough, it's a delivery person holding a gift basket or a package. Uh, when you ask them who sent the gift, they don't know. Uh, but b before the delivery person can leave, they'll ask you that you need to pay for a nominal fee for a verification fee. The delivery person will then claim he or she can only accept credit cards or debit cards uh, and then produce a held, handheld scanner. The card scanner is actually a device that collects the information on the card and the, your security codes. The con artist will then use this to make unauthorized charges or commit identity theft. So how can we avoid this scam? Well, you should always be sus suspicious of a package from an unrecognized delivery, delivery service or source. If a friend or family member wants to surprise you, most likely they'll send you a gift using an established service and never give your credit card or debit card to somebody at your door. Having an online presence is, is becoming more and more important for businesses. 
Is there anything businesses should watch out for when they're establishing themselves online? Uh, definitely. Um, a popular business scam is a phishing scam that involves uh, your do- domain name or fake phone calls from Google. Uh, the way the scam works is you'll receive a robocall with a recorded message claiming the caller is from Google um, or an email claiming to be from Google. Um, they claim in order to keep your spot in Google search rankings, you must renew the domain. Uh, this, is, of course, is not true. Uh, if you choose to renew your dom- domain, uh, the caller may ask for information regarding your business. This can include your Google password. Uh, sharing sensitive information such as your login puts your business at risk for future scams and identity theft. Uh, the important thing to remember is that Google will not charge for inclusions in Google My Business or Google Search. Uh, they do not offer for cold calling for businesses for, for this either. Hmm. Often businesses get fooled with phony invoice scams or directory scams. How do these scams work? Directory scams are one of the oldest uh, business scams. It's one of the first scams I learned about when I first started working at the Better Business Bureau. Mm. Um, How the scam works is they target businesses or or organizations of all types. They attempt to fool you into paying for a listing or an ad space in a non-existent directory or they claim to be from Yellow Pages. Uh, In some cases, the directory will technically exist, but will not be widely distributed or might not even be distributed in the area that you service. And it has little to no value to your business. So uh, how do scammers target the businesses for this scam? Well, scammers will call companies claiming to represent Yellow Pages or another business directory, whether it's real or fabricated. Uh, When the scammer gets somebody from the business on the phone, he uh, or she will claim uh, to be updating the directory. Often they'll speak to a receptionist or a junior staff member where they might not be knowledgeable about uh, where you actually um, advertise. Then a few weeks later, the business will receive an invoice for several hundred dollars to thousands of dollars for an ad or directory that you apparently signed up for. So how can a business avoid this scam? The best way to avoid the scam is to train your employees. Uh, Make sure the people processing invoices or answering phone calls are aware of these scams. Create a process for inspecting invoices. Always check that goods and services were both ordered and delivered before paying an invoice. So when you have these types of controls, it lessens your chance of falling for these scams. Ashley, BBB's Integrity Awards are coming up, and, uh, well, it's certainly a well-respected award. There are some out there that use awards to trick businesses out of money. So how do those vanity awards work? It's always an ego boost to receive a notice that your company has won an award, but awards that require you to pay a fee to claim might not be on the up and up. There's many legitimate and competitive awards out there, but there's also what we call vanity awards. Uh, These are available in virtually every industry for every profession. Uh, For some, you will fill out a form, pay the fee uh, to enter the competition, uh, with others, you're notified that you've won and you're directed to a website where you can order uh, trophies and plaques to show that you've won this award. These awards may sound good, to, may sound good, but they're not particularly prestigious. Uh, the more winners there are, the less respected the award becomes. So what should we do before applying for an award like this? Always research the company. If there's no address or phone number on the materials on the award, uh, be wary of it. 
uh, check out information provided to make sure it's legitimate. Um, if the website seems very generic, uh, that's a big red flag. Uh, so you're going to want to look out for that. Uh, you can always look up the company on BBB's uh, site at BBB.org uh, to see if there's been previous complaints or bad reviews on it. So you might <laughs> want to make sure that it is a an award that has a good local connection and, yes. and has some some local merit to it. Then. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Check the not make sure you know the nomination process of the award. That way, you can get a little more information on it. And just always be wary if anybody is asking for payment in order to receive an award. Well, thanks very much for this information, Ashley. Thank you. Ashley Castleman is communications manager at BBB Serving Western Ontario and is the producer of Ask BBB. And that's the program for this time around. Remember, you can contact us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at BBB Western ONT. And if you have a question or a guest suggestion, tweet us at hashtag AskBBB. Thanks to our program producer, Ashley Castleman, BBB Western Ontario's communications manager. And so until next time, I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Linda Smith. Remember, Ask BBB. And start with trust.